0: Queensland's health system is a large and complex beast, with our clinicians working tirelessly to not only deliver care, but improve how it is delivered into the future. Clinical Excellence stories shine a light on hardworking clinicians across our state, exploring their work, why they do it, and how their passion is translating into better outcomes in their communities. These are the stories Find tomorrow's care. This story was produced on Yuga speaking Country in partnership with local Kombamari, Mananjali, Waka Waka, Bundjalung, Turbul, and Ngunnawal peoples. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Why Jumba Jarjums is more than just a model of care. Yes, it provides care to women and families from conception to the first 1,000 days, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It is a beacon of true co-design and meaningful partnership with consumers, the community and local organisations to create something that is meaningful to locals. Holistic in its approach, and firmly based in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander definitions of health, it is not only helping families like Purdy and Dave's to safely bring beautiful little jarjums like Boston into the world. It is connecting jarjums with community to give them the best start to life.
1: My name is Cassandra Nest. I am a Ngunnawal woman, connections to the Fish River people of Pajong. I am a clinical midwife consultant at Gold Coast University Hospital for the Waijongba Djarjem service. And I also work in a joint appointment with Griffith University as the First Peoples Midwifery Lecturer. Waijungba Jarjums was conceptualised with community consultation. It's a model of care that offers continuity of carer from conception to the first 1000 days. So that means that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families get to know their midwife and child health nurse and health worker from the moment they find out that they're pregnant until the baby's two years of age. It's the relationship that you form that the midwife becomes um, part of the family, a sister, an auntie. It addresses the power imbalance as well. So coming into a hospital setting, there's power imbalances that we have to be aware of as um, clinicians and having that known relationship addresses that power imbalance because you then can provide empowerment to the family to be self-determining in their choices so we know that continuity of care is the gold standard there's m- multiple research articles out that will prove that um, there's no questions about it it improves um, birth outcomes experiences midwife satisfaction so the importance though on top of that for Aboriginal and Torres strait Islander women is the little things it's about having that relationship so that you do feel comfortable engaging with a service and know that you have someone that's constantly there that's got your back and will advocate for your wants and needs.
2: Dave Cox, proud tourable man. So.
3: Yep, Purdy Cox, um, Bunjilung woman and um, yeah our little son Boston.
2: We've got two older girls, um, one 14, one 10. Um, And then yeah, Boston was a surprise.
3: (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really great experience to be referred to the Waijamba Jarjom program. When we had um, our 10 year old, we went through the mainstream system and um, we didn't feel like we were um, listened to very very well. it didn't feel like our care was driven by what we wanted. Um, yeah, so Waijamba Jajam, um, gave us, um hooked us in with a midwife that was Indigenous, and um, she p- became like a friend or an auntie.
1: We went out to all of the women that had accessed Gold Coast University Hospital in the preceding two years to when the project started, and what we heard from that is that pretty much the darker the woman's skin, the worse her experience was. Um, So then we asked those women to like, what their ideal service would be. Um, The women then developed a service from that conception to the first 1000 days that they they felt would meet their needs as the Gold Coast community on Yugambeh speaking country. So what that entailed was a continuity of care model for midwives, um, extended child health, connection to culture, country, community, um, the program is huge and doesn't just offer mainstream service for midwife and child health, it incorporates every part of health um, and is, is founded on the philosophy. Pregnancy is a normal part of, of many women's lives um, but also is founded on the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander definition of health which is that um, it encompasses the spiritual and cultural well-being of the person and the whole community as opposed to just an individualistic, health-based response.
3: It's like chalk and cheese, you know. If you, if you want to have um, continuative care um, and you want to have a close relationship with your clinicians or your midwives, mm. then definitely go with Jamba Bajajans because um, from the minute they enter your home, um, you're, you're part of the family and they take a special interest in you and a lot of other hospitals don't do that.
2: Mm. You get the knowledge from the midwives to help you through the harder situations. Um, and you've always got that support that's right there when you need it.
3: Yeah, And I think most health clinicians, they come because they want to make a difference in, in, on people's lives and I think, you know, with First Nations or Indigenous people, there are barriers there and um, if they can extend that welcome to everyone um, and help them have a better journey, you have better outcomes
1: for the families and the children. One of the things that I'm most proud of about the model of care that we've been able to develop, to develop alongside them is that we've got the strongest community advisory group. Um, the, the, the members of that are so deadly. They're really um, supportive and embracive of the program. And I guess that's testament to the fact that they've actually the ones that have developed what they want it to look like. Um, we've also been really, really fortunate to build a really strong relationship with the um, with URACA, which is the Yugambeh Regional Aboriginal Corporation Alliance. Um, And so elders and traditional custodians of Yuraka have been supportive of the program and um, they've been able to provide that, sense of community with, their, with being included in the program. We've also been able to build a strong partnership with our local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community-controlled medical service, Calwen, and that's a true testament to their CEO, Kieran Chilcott's, vision to be able to provide local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community with culturally safe care. We get the most amazing feedback about how the program not only has improved outcomes, but that it's actually improved people's experiences of Gold Coast University Hospital in accessing services across the board, um, the advocacy, but also the little things that we do that seem little but are actually huge like the men's groups and the women's groups, the yarning circles, the connection to country that we have through the um, welcome judge them to community ceremonies. So the fact that we have people engaging, hundred percent of our women accessed five or more antenatal visits. So the fact that people are engaging in our service is a testament to the fact that we're doing something good.
4: Wali Walu, Jimbalungs, Bar Jalagal, which means welcome all of you friends to Jalagal, our dreaming mountain. My name is Craig Williams. I'm a Yugambeh descendant. My connections are from my grandmother, the Grahams from the Gold Coast, which is Kombameri or Gombameri. And from my grandfather's side is the Williamses, which is uh, the Munanjali mob. Cass told us about um, you know, the amazing initiative that she wanted to do was welcoming um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, uh, families and their children while they're on our traditional grounds, which is a, has been a traditional um, ceremony or a traditional way of life for thousands and thousands of years. It's virtually bringing back those um, protocols. So as traditional people, we thought that would be a fantastic way to connect those families to our country. There were two components, traditional components, the, the smoking, which is the cleansing. Now, the other part was to connect them to country, which earthing. Um, so, a part of that was was the ochre ceremony. So, we'd get ochre from Burley Headlands. So, that was connecting them to our dreaming mountain. And you know, there's so much significance around this mountain. So, you know, there's ochre scenes all over uh, the Gold Coast. But be, this being a very significant spot and, you know, Oka comes from these areas as well, we thought it was very, a very significant way to connect them to our country and our stories.
3: I'm Linda Bumawai, a Yugambeh language speaking traditional custodian, um, based on the Gold Coast and belonging to the Manajali people of Bow Desert. I'm Mary Glenn. Um, I'm
0: Kamba Mary, Yugambeh. And on my mother's
3: side. So today was about um, connecting our babies to country. And our country for us is our mother. So um, it's important for all of our children, as well as our adults, to be connected to um, country and to their mother.
0: Every place has its own dreaming story, a creative narrative, a spiritual narrative. So you're connecting up with that spiritual narrative via the land itself and ochre and so on. It's really important for babies, new little jarjums, to already have that because their spirit has to be uh, firmly connected to the spirit of the place. Mm. If, they're here, if they're born here, they're born here, they're born on Combermere on Uganda land. Even if they don't, uh, their parents come from somewhere else. What it, what it really does is it brings people and countries together.
3: You can't have a tree without a root system on it. It's right. So, and it doesn't survive. So you need to have all of those connections for it to flourish for its whole
2: life. He's going to have that sense of community, sense of belonging, um, and it's just be able to have I'm those involved. relationships with, you know, with guys that have already gone through, guys and girls that have gone through the program with him and we can just hopefully follow that through and they can have that relationship, that friendship all the way through their life.
1: This should be the model of care for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. There's no doubt in my mind that if we actively looked at implementing a model of care that's community-led and governed, that incorporates Birthing on Country and First 1000 Days Australia um, principles, there's no, I have no doubt that we would be able to contribute to closing the gap more than what we have. The key to that is that it needs to be driven by the local community and there needs to be a strong foundation of a consumer advisory group where any decisions about the service, um, there's that governance that they provide that, um, that support and um, they get to continue to model the service.
2: My grandfather's stolen generation. So we've lost a lot of our family history, so trying to find more about where we're from. If my parents could have ac- accessed this sort of service, it would have brought our family together a lot quicker. Um, like we would have had that belonging from a younger age. Um, where Perds has had that, you know, the family's always been running the, the traditional ways and, and that sort of thing where we've never had that. Um, it wasn't until my late 20s that I really sort of yeah. found out more about where I'm from and and always sort of felt lost and since now we've got that sense of belonging and um, you know the journey's only fresh it's only you know still young but with it's, um, it's a, yeah it's a journey that I want to be on.
3: Yeah I think for my mum it would have been fantastic because she was the non-indigenous part of um, the relationship my dad was um, the indigenous person and I know that when she was in hospital um, having um, the three of us, um, there was a lot of racism.
1: The impact that Waijung Bajajams has been able to have on the community, on um, Dave tells his story. (sighs) Dave tells his story about having that disconnection that the stolen generation has impacted on his life. And it is heartbreaking but it's so real and um, to be able to actually be a part of bringing families together and using culture to reconnect people to address our mental health issues that we have because of that disconnection to build fat babies like all of these things I, I can't put into words the impact that it's had on me but viewing the impact that it's had on the community, I I can't word that. I guess the tearing up is a pretty good explanation that it's overwhelming. I could never ever have imagined. I mean, you know, based off evidence and research that women wanna have a voice and they wanna be heard and they want continuity of care, but I could never have imagined the impact that seeing those babies and families walk through and have the ochre, um, and have that connection and go through the smoke um, had on me on that day because you take, sometimes you take that, I take it for granted the connection that I have to my country and my culture and it's, it's um, fostering that in other people that is overwhelmingly emotional and highlights the injustice that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have faced and that we actually can do something to improve these outcomes and experiences by reconnecting people to the country, to the land and to their culture. We've had mothers of all experiences and the experiences in the, the difference in their models of care, it, it's phenomenal to read and you, it, it makes me teary every time I hear stories about I felt advocated for, I felt safe, those are the things that Yes, we want to improve outcomes and we want to reach those KPIs because we know that that's how we contribute to closing the gap. But it's the experiences that doesn't get captured in a KPI about how women access services, how families access services, whether dad felt included. They're the things that to me as an Aboriginal woman, I know that we're going to improve outcomes if we can get people engaged in the service.
0: But what are those improved outcomes? It is very clear that Waijamba Jarjums has had a profound impact on not just the families accessing the service, but more broadly, it is improving their engagement with Gold Coast Health. We caught up with Cassie to learn a little bit more about the outcomes of the Waijamba Jarjums model of care and to find out what's next for the service.
1: I moved to Gold Coast University Hospital from another hospital and in that move, I came up to work in the midwifery group practice. And I was really shocked coming from a smaller hospital that had a high population of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women utilising the service to the amount of women that actually identified at Gold Coast. What I found through some investigations is that there were lots of women that identified, just the questions weren't being asked properly. And they also didn't have access to the model of care that I was working in because it was a midwifery group practice. It was... a low risk model of care. So what we know is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women have social determinants of health that make us higher risk, gestational diabetes, pre-existing conditions. And so they actually didn't have access to the model of care because they didn't meet the criteria. So at that time, my manager, I went to her and I said, look, I think that we could really improve our engagement if we went out to the community and prioritised Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women that wanted to access the service. And there was things that were happening in the background at that point where the midwifery, group practice was expanding into an all-risk model and so it was really good timing for us to be able to reach out to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. When I first moved to Gold Coast University Hospital working in the MGP there were two women that had accessed the MGP that identified as Aboriginal in that 12 months preceding and After we changed the referral and we looked at prioritising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women, that grew dramatically. And so that was where we started to see you can make a real impact just by making an inclusive service, having an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander midwife working. I was the first Aboriginal midwife to work within the MGP. And so that growth then started to push my drive for what else we can do in this space. Funnily enough, the actual proposal for, so Waijangba Jhajams was a successful project of the EB10 Nursing and Midwifery Innovation Fund. We had funding given for a pilot project for 12 months. And that proposal was written based off what the community wanted, but also founded on the evidence of birthing on country and the first 1,000 days models of care, which are evidence-based, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander written models of care and have that, that foundational definition of health for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health at the core and also community consultation and true community consultation at the core of their evidence. And so I then took... The idea of what those two models were, I'm studying my Master's of Primary Maternity Care at Griffith University, and there's a subject there where you could put forward a proposal as the assignment on what your ideal model of care would be. And I had suggested um, that we do birthing on country and extended first 1,000 days so that We know that it's best evidence for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families. And I started to sort of work on the project that way. So when it came to actually writing the proposal and listening to the women's stories about what they wanted and their experiences, it all sort of fit in. And the proposal was really easy to write because I'd previously done an assignment on exactly the same topic so all the evidence was already there, I already knew what the best practice was and I was really fortunate that Gold Coast University Hospital Women's Newborns and Children's gave me the opportunity to sit in that position as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander woman. I worked really closely with Melissa Browning who is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander coordinator and actually just won the Hester Individual Achievement Award for her work at the hospital and I also worked alongside Professor Royanne West who is another Aboriginal woman so there was a lot of work in the background that was already happening but the EB10 Nursing and Midwifery Innovation Fund really gave us the opportunity to be able to implement what the community wanted. What we found through the evaluation of our service is that the women that accessed the service felt culturally safe and respected, and also that the staff that were working in the service felt culturally safe and respected. So one of the key KPIs, which is a key performance indicator for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families and babies in particular is low birth weight. So it's something that you hear all the time, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander babies are more likely to be born of a lower birth weight. And what we found in Waijangba Jhajum's is that our mothers were 11 times less likely to have a baby of low birth weight. So it was 2.2% compared to 21.2% for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women that were accessing mainstream services. And national average is 11.7%. So that means that we have dramatically been able to have such a profound effect on raising fat babies, which is incredible because that has a roll on effect for uh, readmissions and health later in life as well. So it also improved our breastfeeding rate. The Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women that access Waijung jarjums compared to the fragmented model of care, our women were 86.7 times more likely to breastfeed compared to 61.5% which is phenomenal. They were 19 times more likely to have five or more antenatal visits. We had less babies admitted to special care nursery, so 8.9% compared to 36.5%. And another one, which actually was the biggest founding factor for cost savings, was that our babies were five times less likely to be born prematurely. So 4.4% versus 21.2%. Which then meant that our babies didn't go to NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, which then saved us bed days. So the hospital then, I didn't, but the hospital then does an evaluation of the cost associated with the bed days of a a baby in NICU, which saved the health service 1.5 million, just in the fact that our babies were born healthier and fatter and by their due date. We've developed this really strong model of care. We've worked with the community alongside them to ensure that it meets their needs, but it's ever-changing. So the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community's needs will continue to grow as we, as a community, continue to face new barriers and challenges. So it's gonna be an ever-changing service that keeps developing alongside the community's wants and needs. What I would like to see from the service is that we continue to truly commit to building our workforce So part of the Waijangba Jajam service we offer cadetships to midwifery students so we work alongside Griffith University and the midwifery students that are studying at Griffith University in the Bachelor of Midwifery they get placement and paid placement through the Waijangba Jhajum service and that also includes mentorship by an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander midwife. So we get to build our own Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workforce. We've also done the same thing with child health, so we have child health nurses, And originally when we went to recruitment for an identified child health nurse to be a part of the service, we didn't have any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people apply. We went to recruitment a few times. And then what we found through asking around is that there weren't any in the area. So what we did was we grew our own. So that continued commitment to growing our workforce and also a continued commitment to the placements of those students when they've graduated in a graduate year and in paid employment within Queensland Health as well. I'd really like to strengthen and focus this year on the first 1,000 days aspect of the program. We're nailing our midwifery continuity of care. Now we've finally, we've graduated our first Aboriginal child health nurse and we've also got our first midwife who is studying as a child health practitioner as well so i'd love to see them really find their feet within the service in providing that child health aspect and i would really like to see it grow so The women that accessed Gold Coast University Hospital, we could provide continuity of care to approximately half of them. So I'd really like to see, and we've seen that with the continued funding that we've received, that we're able to now grow our workforce and expand the midwifery group practice to provide care to more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families. I'd also like to see the same happen in the child health space. So we're continuing to put in funding applications to increase our child health presence as well so that we can continue to provide care for the first 1,000 days care for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families.
0: If you want to learn more about the Waajamba Jarjams model of care, head to our show notes or visit the Clinical Excellence Showcase website. Clinical Excellence Stories is proudly produced by Clinical Excellence Queensland. We encourage you to continue the conversation by following us on Facebook and letting us know of any improvements, big or small, that are making a difference for your communities. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you digest your podcasts.